The chief executive of the Child and Family Agency, Tusla, has said that the agency does not want to continue to stand over the placing of children in unregulated emergency accommodation. Last month, 174 children were in special emergency arrangements such as B&Bs, hotels or rental properties as there were no suitable facilities or foster homes for them. Tusla is under strain over a sharp increase in the number of referrals made to it. There were over 90,000 referrals made last year, more than double the number when the agency was first established 10 years ago. Well, we're joined in the studio now by the CEO of Tusla, Kate Duggan. Good afternoon and you're very welcome to the programme. So let's start by talking about those children who are currently in unregulated emergency accommodation known as special emergency arrangements, often B&Bs and hotels, rental properties. Um, last month there were 174 children. How many at the moment? Justin, in special emergency arrangements at the moment, we have 63 children in special emergency arrangements from our mainstream services. And then we have 111 in special emergency arrangements from our separated children service. And I think it's important to put that into context. You referenced since the agency was established and this week we're we're marking 10 years since the establishment of the agency, referrals over that period have doubled. So in 2023, we received almost 250 referrals a day. That was, you know, an individual, a person that was concerned about the welfare of a child. And at the end of 2030 or 2023, we had 5,600 children in care. 90% of those were in foster care and actually one of the, 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 the positive impacts since the establishment of the agency is that we have been able to be a European leader in terms of the number of children that are in foster care. But there is now and we have seen a significant increase in the number of young people who need emergency accommodation. Mm. And and they need emergency accommodation because there's no other suitable accommodation available for them. Mm. Um, um, Last year, Judge Dermot Sims described this issue as a crisis for your agency. Do you Mm. accept that it is a crisis? I think what we recognise and and what all of the stakeholders who work with children and young people recognise is that we are challenged with the scale of demand that is there. We are challenged to identify appropriate placements for young people. And I think if we put that in context, since 2022 and since the war in Ukraine broke out, we've responded to 1,200 separated children seeking international protection. And in very real terms, that's where these people present to our offices from the Department of Justice the International Protection Office on a daily basis. And the first thing we have to do is bring them to a place of safety and find Mm. them a bed. Over that period for that cohort, we have opened up an additional 16 units. We've uh, four more units due to open this year. We've also, and and that has given us about 131 placements. So we are scaling at a pace that we have never scaled before in terms of responding to that need. And I think just the last thing, uh, Justin, to say in terms of demand, you know, there has been some uh, you know, coverage in the media over the last number of weeks where you look at the, the Gardaí are the, the biggest referral um, in terms of our service. And if you looked last year in 2023, the Gardaí received a call every 10 minutes in related to domestic, sexual and gender based violence. We also know they've seen a 30% increase in, uh, you know, the Section 12 arrangements where a child or a young person is at immediate uh, risk of harm. And so we have to, we cannot have those children like sometimes happened years ago where they were kept overnight mm-hmm. in a guard station, in a hospital, 
we have to bring them to an immediate place of safety where they've an allocated social worker, they have a care plan, but they are in an arrangement that isn't regulated by HICWA and that's what we would want to see. And there are risks when it's not regulated because those are vulnerable children in B&Bs and hotels and so on. Um, Judge Sims suggested um, that uh, the, the... there is also a risk to the agency, to TUSLA, that these children um, may take a claim against the state in the future um, because uh, they've been placed in these settings. Do do you agree that that is a a risk for TUSLA? I think the first thing to say is, you know, there were, you know, last Sunday night, and we we collect this information on on a weekly basis, so last Sunday night there were 63 of those young people in special emergency arrangements and two of those were placed in a hotel for a very short period. The rest of them were placed in leased property. So that was either Tusla leased property. I'm assured that these young people are in a place of safety. I'm assured they have a social worker. I'm assured they have a care plan. But what is not is a placement that is appropriate to them, that is connected to their community, where they are accessing school. But we also recognise... Do, 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 do you accept that there is a risk to the agency, that the agency is potentially exposed to future legal claims uh, because it's not fulfilling its statutory obligations to place these children in settings where which are properly regulated. What I'm concerned about, Justin, is the risk to those young people. And our job as you know, CEO and as the leadership within the agency is to make sure that we are working with all of our colleagues to see how we can find mm. appropriate placements for these young people. You know, we wrote uh, over a year and a half ago to the Ombudsman for Children to express our concerns concern about a vulnerable cohort of of teenagers. When we talk about these young people, just in over 55% of them are between the ages of 15 and 18. And from that, you know, half of them have come from a placement breakdown from home. They have not been in care. They haven't touched off the care system previously. And so we you know, with the support of the Ombudsman for Children, brought all of the stakeholders together across the judiciary, across health, across justice, across probation, to look to see how do we better respond to the needs of these young people. And my absolute ambition and one of the key elements of our reform programme over the next three years is about scaling that capacity. And that's around capacity across residential and emergency services. Are you in a position then uh, to to be able to say when these emergency arrangements, either the rental properties, the Mm. hotels or the B&Bs that are being used uh, to to, um, place these children in, when will those arrangements come to an end? We've set out, if if you take, uh, Justin, in terms of 63 people or 63 young people in those arrangements last week, and if you take the 111, uh, you know, separated children, it's around 170 young people. As I said, we have, over the last year and a half, put an additional 131 places in place. You have been making progress, but when will it it come to an end or is it always going to be a a feature? There is always going to be a feature. There is always going to be, when you see all of the data that I just referred to in terms of the AGS, in terms of, you know, the, the issues that we're seeing across society, there is always going to be a need for emergency placements. We want no child in a guard station. We want no child as a social admission to a hospital. But we want to work with those providers and with the regulators to get them to be registered and regulated environments. Okay, you you had over 90,000 referrals to Tusla last year, as you've said. Uh, That's around 7,000 more than the previous year and a doubling of referrals since the agency was first established. Mm. How many social workers um, uh, are, are required? How many additional social workers do you need to deal with the increasing numbers now? 
Yeah, I think there's two things uh, to say, Justin. I mean, first of all, for the agency, for the first time since its establishment, we have reached our funded workforce. So for the first time, we have filled all of uh, the positions that we have within the agency. Mm. When you Would say, sorry, recognize- but just when you, when you say that you've, you've, you have reached your funded workforce, mm. do you need more funding? Do you need additional social workers to deal with the additional numbers? We certainly need additional social workers and social care workers. What we have seen over the last number of years is an inadequate supply of social workers qualifying within this country mm. um, to meet the needs that is there, not just in, in Tusla, but in probation, in, in HSE. It's a challenge across Europe. How many additional social workers and social care workers do you need? We would indicate at this stage that we would need an additional 200 social workers, is what our ambition would be to recruit. And to enable that and, and to try and, and and deliver that, Justin, I suppose there's a number of actions we have. So, but sorry, if you need 200 mm-hmm. more social workers, social care workers, uh, and you're, you've already reached your, uh, you, you've already mm-hmm. fulfilled the, 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 the positions that you're funded for, you mm-hmm. need additional funding then? I think there's two things there. I think, of course, every public sector agency will say they can do more with more. I think what's really important for us in terms of needing, we at the moment are using, you know, private agencies, for example, private providers in the delivery of residential Mm. services. We have a very clear ambition to reduce our reliance on private. So we can actually, you know, if we had the social workers there, we can convert either agency staff, we can convert money that's been spent on private staff into the employment of social workers. Can I ask you then in another way, do you have the money to hire 200 new social workers? Money is not the challenge for us in the agency at the moment. But you said you're fully, you've you've fulfilled the positions that you're funded for. But I I just said, you know, where we are now currently spending on either agency staff, where staff are choosing not to work full time, you know, within the agency, or more importantly, where we are using the private sector to provide services. What we would like to do is to be able to redirect uh, that money. But certainly, Justin, the other thing to say is with the absolute increase in demand in terms of the demand for general referrals to our service, in terms of the demand from, you know, separated children seeking international protection, that is continuing to grow from the demand that we have in terms of new services that have been added to our agency. Of course, we need ongoing investment. And we have, with the support of the Minister and the Department, been assigned over nine million additional euros uh, this year to, to meet uh, that demand that is there. And we'll continue yes, that, to work that, that, with the department a, that's around a long, that. That's a long way away, though, from what you were looking for in, in the budget. I think you were looking for about 160 million more than what you received. Are you mm-hmm. underfunded? What we saw at the end of 2023, Justin, in terms of those very significant cost drivers we have, particularly in relation to special emergency arrangements and in relation to separated children seeking international protection, that we had a shortfall of 84 million. We received a supplementary allocation from the department in relation to that. We have received an additional 90 million this year. And obviously we work in in very engaging relationship with the department in relation to that ongoing demand. We're demanding Demand-led service. We can't predict the demand. We wouldn't have predicted the ongoing and increasing demand that we've had in relation to our separated children service. And so continue to monitor that. And as we start to engage again in July of this year in relation to budget for next year, we will be looking for more if that demand remains. All right. Briefly, before I let you go, um, I want to ask you about the birth information and tracing legislation, which allows adopted people to apply for full access to their birth certificate as well as a tracing service Mm. to connect them with uh, 
uh, parents uh, who want to meet with them. There are huge backlogs in that service at the moment. You, you did seek extra money to alleviate the problem last year. Um, did you get any additional funding? We got additional funding in 2022 um, and we did have to use some agency staff in terms of getting people in quickly. When the new legislation became live in, in October 2022, this was a new service for us with a number of challenges around, you know, the demand, but also in relation to the records were there. We were very conscious very quickly that the delays that uh, people were experiencing, yeah. you know, wasn't like what now? would What, what kind want. of delays are we talking about at the moment? Right now, in terms of birth information, and tracing. 91% of all of the applications have been processed. Anyone that has applied after the 1st of September were fully compliant with the timelines and there's 502 individuals that we are now seeking to get their information to them as quickly as possible within the next two to three months. But we do have delays in relation to tracing and in relation to the tracing element. It's a service at the moment that is reliant on social workers um, and we're looking to see what parts of that um task or that role can be assigned to, to other workers mm. and also engaging with our colleagues um, in the department and with legal and with our data protection staff and experts to look at the contracting of genetic okay. genealogical services to support that. But at the moment, that, that you know, there are some challenges with that. Kate, thank you very much indeed. That's the CEO of Tusla, Kate Duggan, uh, um, speaking to me. We'll have more after this break.